Mr. Pop. The views and opinions of this show do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of this network and its affiliates. At Midwest IT Support Help Desk, we believe that technology should support and enhance your organization's success, not constrain it. With our wide range of best-in-class services, we provide customized solutions that fit your unique IT needs. We are committed to excelling at our job so you can focus on doing yours. Midwest IT Support Help Desk is always available, providing your organization with professional remote help desk support services you need Midwest IT Support Help Desk will solve your technology issues day or night. Our IT staff ensures that your network and computers are up to date and ready for operation on a daily basis. Don't wait until problems occur. Let our organization solve them with our monitoring software, giving you the peace of mind you need. Let us do the worrying for you. Enabling your workforce with top-notch technologies isn't just important, but imperative for business success. This customizable solution allows your team to work seamlessly and collaboratively in a protected space. No matter what IT services you need, Midwest IT Support Help Desk will be there to support you every step of the way. Midwest IT Support Help Desk. We are committed to excelling at our job so you can focus on doing yours. Please visit www.midwestitsupport.com for more information. Or shoot us an email at helpdesk at midwestitsupport.com. Give us a call, 765-239-9668. You are now listening to Two Bags of Alchemy with Ryan and Dan on RadioAFS.com. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the half-happiest season of Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Two Guys in a Balcony with Brian and Dan right here on RadioAFS.com, Fatboy Media, DRCP Army. I am Brian, and with me as always is my best friend Dan. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, brother? I don't know what it is, but that song always just puts me in the mood. You know what I mean? Always gets I, me going and and I can tell you and, exactly what it is. I can tell you what it is exactly. Andy Williams has a very distinctive voice that just kind of it, – it's like a Frank Sinatra-esque feel to him. You know what I mean? It does. It does. And it's and it's and he does that song so well, and he he makes you smile and, and want to dance and move and just get into the spirit with that song. Right. Now, I have to disagree with the – with the wording of it, because, I mean, unless he's singing to corporate America, I mean, you know. <laughs> well, for kids, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, and it, and it, honestly, it could be the most wonderful time of the year, you know, if everybody quit concentrating so much on, you know, the biggest and best presents and actually concentrated on what this time of year was actually meant to be. And right, I'm not I mean, going down any, uh, not going down any religious 
road because, I mean, look, if you've listened to our show at all, you guys know I'm an atheist. So I'm definitely not going to go down any religious road. But oh, okay. It, it, so you want to exclude me from that part of the conversation? Got it. I'm I'm, I'm talking my point my my point of view right now. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking us. No, no, my no, no. This is me. My apologies, sir. Do do continue. That's okay. okay. I mean, it is it it could be the most wonderful time of the year because it, it's 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 the end of the year, you know, and it's Christmas time, and you know everybody's supposed to be jolly and happy and. I mean, and it used to be, you know, it used to For be. For a couple people, they realize they're only a couple months from tax season. <laughs> I mean, this is true. <laughs> but I mean, it used to be all about your neighbors and all about celebrating with your your family and and I mean your neighborhood and your neighbors and I mean it used to. I remember growing up and even shit twenty years ago, I remember driving down. You know, any neighborhood and damn near every house had Christmas lights on it. And I mean, the whole neighborhood was lit up and I mean, they still had carolers going around. When I was a little kid, they still had carolers going around singing Christmas carols to people's songs, you know, people's houses and stuff. I mean, you do that nowadays, you're liable to get shot or, (laughs) you know, sued for trespassing or some stupid shit like that. Step on a heroin needle. I mean that too, depending on where you live. But I mean, you can't you can't do that nowadays. And, and nobody, it's like the Christmas spirit has has basically left. You know, I mean, I'm looking out my bedroom window right now, and there are no Christmas lights in my neighborhood except for mine. You know, maybe one neighbor down the street. Nobody, nobody's in the spirit anymore. You know, nobody takes the time to. Nobody has uh, the money. Corporate America's well, taken over. It's all about materialist. It's a materialistic holiday. And and this is true. You are very true. You, are, I mean, you're very right. But I mean, you can get lights. You can get Christmas lights for cheap. You know, I mean, hell, you go to Walmart. You can get Christmas lights to put up on your house for for fairly right. cheap. Right, and then you run into yeah, the, the next problem of yeah, we can buy them, but then do we really want to put them up? No, because people are lazy. Yeah, or, or people just don't have time. I mean, their idea of I mean, celebrating it, the holidays is let's drive around and look what everybody else did. Yeah, the problem is, is nobody else has ever done anything. You know, I mean, uh, this weekend we went up to a um, a place here. It, you know, it was in uh, Kodak, Tennessee. Um, it's, it's a place called Shadrachs, and it's actually pretty cool. You know, there's a bunch of lights all over the place. You drive through a big parking lot, and they've got them all synced to uh, music on a radio station. You know, you put the radio station on in your car, you drive, you watch the lights, you know, dance to the music, which is kind of cool. But whatever happened to getting in the car with the family on a Friday or Saturday night and driving around the neighborhoods and seeing what people have done to their houses? No, I, I agree completely. I agree completely. Like we had one guy, you know, up where I live, we had a guy that um, it was a very – it's actually a fond memory. Uh, when I was a kid, um, we would drive like the whole city, and people from other cities would come out every single year and look at this guy's house. I mean he had a big area, 
and he had massive amounts of decoration, lights, and uh, just so much going on up in his up in his yard and his trees and on his house, and you know it was just massive. I mean, people would get in line; they would line up in their cars for hour, hour and a half just to see this guy's lights. And oh, yeah. it got to the point where he was getting old, so they stayed up all year round. Now they might have not been on all year round, but they stayed on. But you know, at one point it was every year he was adding to it. It was so yeah. cool because it had so many different Christmas themes and you know different ideas and doing things. And but it was all centered around Santa and the elves, and of course he had the uh, you know of course he had the uh, the manger and everything like that set up. He had the he had the uh, the whole scene, the nativity scene, and everything set up as well. But I mean, it was more, you know, Santa and what's going to entertain the kids, you know, and and this thing was awesome. Now, I haven't been down there in a very long time. I don't even know if the guy still does it or if the guy's even alive, but, you know, this guy was in the spirit, you know, and a lot of people nowadays, it is true, though. I mean, a lot of people nowadays, they're just too lazy or they can't afford things because, like I said, corporate America has taken over and things are way more expensive now. And it's turned into, I don't really have the money to decorate my house because I got to buy this and this and this and this and this and this. Yeah, my kids want, you know, a new phone or a new, uh, you know, tablet or, you know, got to get the, the iPhone watch or the Samsung gear or, you know, spending three, four, five, eight hundred dollars on, you know, presents for the kids. And I mean, yeah. that's all well and good. However... I mean, okay, look, I know you work your ass off. You know, you know me. I work about 55 to 60 hours a week. Right. I still find time to to decorate the house a little bit. You know, it's not as grandiose as it used to be, you know, or that, you know, from what I've done in the past. But, you know, I've still got lights up on my house. You know, I've still got stuff, you know. Up on the house, I've got decorations in the house. I've got, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's just I don't understand people, and it's it's you know, it's starting to take away the Christmas spirit. Oh, you're absolutely right. It really is, and well, I mean, I can't even say it's starting to. I mean, it's getting to the point where it literally has for a lot of people. You know, oh, those yeah. people that grew up on stuff like that, they hold on to it, you know, and everything. But, um, you know, you, you know me. I mean, I've never really been too much of a Christmas person um, just due to certain situations that have led down the road that kind of, you know, kind of killed the moment for me. But I don't know, man. It was just it, – it's really weird because it's – money but takes all, away from everything. It does. The thing is, is of all the holidays and of all the seasons – of the year, this should be the one that people are most happy about. You know, I mean, like you, like you, you know, mentioned multiple times, it is all about corporate America. It is all about you know the number of gifts you get, or the quality of gift you get, or you know, or you know the 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 newest fucking phone or tablet or whatever electronic is out there. 
You know what I mean? These kids today oh, yeah. are spoiled. I mean, hell, when I was a kid, man, I loved just getting something. And I loved giving. Right. right. Now they're pissed the off if they don't get what exactly it is that they want. Exactly. Exactly. The problem is, is people have gone away from the actual spirit of giving. You know, I love it when my kids open up something that they that you know I've given them for Christmas. I love to see their face. I love it when my wife opens up a gift, and no matter if I spent three hundred dollars on it or twenty bucks on it, it's that. It's 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 that emotion that hey you thought enough of me to get me something, right? You know what I mean? Right. You know, and and I know, I know I've done it as a kid as well. You know, I mean, being as you know, being a child, you know, there is a lot of pressure. You know, you feel a lot of pressure within yourself to get certain things. You know, when kids have certain things at school, certain brands of clothing, you know, this or that. You know, if you want that, whether your parents understand it or not. I mean, it just it makes it a lot harder if you're not getting what it is that you want, to, you know, exactly what you want. It, you can't be there when they're Christmas shopping for you. So then you get a little emotional or upset, bent out of shape, whatever. And I know I've been victim of that, too. I've done it as well. But, you know, you come to an understanding, you, you know, be grateful for what you got because there are kids that don't get anything at all, you know. And Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I, I know I sound – I definitely sound like a parent there. There's kids in other third-world <laughs> countries that are dehydrated. Starving in Africa. Right, and – you know, <laughs> but – and I'm not trying to sound like that, but at the same time, I mean, it, it's true, though. I mean, so many people go without, you know, be grateful for what you do have. I'll tell you what. I've got, I've got some of the greatest kids ever. I mean, these kids are so grateful – for anything that they get. And you know my youngest boy. You're um, only saying this because your wife's listening. No, <laughs> no I'm, I'm actually being serious. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know my youngest boy. I'm not going to mention his name on the radio. But uh, you know my youngest boy. His right. face, when he gets anything, anything. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, if he gets... You know, a new Imaginex toy, or if he gets a puzzle, or you know, a little bitty Lego something. You know, I mean, hell, I brought home eggnog the other night, and his face just lit up like you know, it was the best Christmas present ever. You know, and that's what I'm talking about. You know, it's the it's that that spirit of giving. You know, seeing the joy on other people that people have lost nowadays. You know, nowadays it's all about me, me, me. What am I going to get? What do I get? You know, what can I do? You know, I mean, it has become a a selfish holiday. You know, no, I mean, you're hell, I get right. I get happy when somebody just tells me Merry Christmas. You know, but oh, they yeah. thought of me enough to to wish me a, a Merry Christmas. You know what I mean? When when it when it's actually heartfelt, not when it's just uh, Merry Christmas, whatever. You know, right. Well, they and, actually say and, you have a Merry Christmas. And, and going into that too is one, re, you know, one of the great things that having this conversation right here is because what are we doing this week? We're jumping back into time, back when things were great. We're going back to the classics of Christmas, the greatest Christmas classics of all time. We will be discussing today. So, give oh, us yeah, a back jump to our back childhood. Into what? 
Right, and, and that's and it's also it it's all fits perfect because you know I mean it within film and and life you know everybody's lost so many people have lost sight of what the holiday spirit is supposed to be about and regardless of your religious beliefs every holiday is still about family and being oh, yeah, around definitely. your family and with with these movies you know we're going back to the classics to relive the stuff that we grew up on you know and something once again people lose sight of the family spirit because of the fact of corporate America same thing with movies they've lost sight of what that is of making a classic movie because they have been taken over by corporate America as well what will make more money it don't matter if it's a good movie if it's a great movie as long as it sells that's all that they give a damn about yeah yeah and that's and that's what gets me, you know, and, 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 you know, when I go back and I look at some of the, uh, watch some of the older classic movies, you know, that we're going to be discussing later on tonight, it makes me long for that time again, you know? I mean, it makes me wish that I could give my kids the same feeling of, of Christmas and the whole holiday season. And, and when I say the holiday season, I'm talking all the way back to, you know, Thanksgiving. You know, it makes me wish I could give them the feeling that I had when I was a kid. You know, the excitement, the the joy of knowing what this season, the whole season, from Thanksgiving all the way to New Year's Day, what it all, what it is all about. You know, it is it's about being with family. It's about enjoying time with your family. It's about enjoying time with others. It's about making others happy. You know, it's about joy. You know, it is the most wonderful time of the year. It really is. It is. It is. And uh, that's that's one reason why I'm excited to be doing this show right here because we actually get to take a step back into, like I said, our childhoods. You know, into the classics that Love it or hate it, believe it or not, there is a point in this in my life where I hated these movies. But then as you oh, get yeah. older, you look well, back and you're like, damn, these are part of, of my them. childhood. Well, yeah, some of them, but I hated these movies. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't want to watch black and white. You yeah. know, I remember yeah. one, of the, one of the first movies that I actually remember watching, one of the first movies that I remember watching – was on a small ass little 13 inch TV screen and it was in black and white and I hated it. It was, was that a Stephen the King TV movie. Or because of the movie? It was the TV. The TV was <laughs> black and white TV. I hated it. It was a Stephen King movie at that. And it was horrible trying to watch that movie. It pissed me off. I didn't, I didn't like black and white. Now I I love you know I love all Stephen King movies. Don't get me wrong, but watching them as a child, since there's been color TV, watching something in black and white, you you end up getting a whole different experience, and it's it's not fun at all. It sucks. But looking back at things now, it's like man, this is great. You know, now granted, I can't watch a Stephen King movie in black and white, but these movies weren't made for black and white. 
No, but the movies that were filmed in black and white that have become a part of our culture and a part of our a part of our childhood, yours and mine, and a part of you know many, 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 many people out there, part of their childhood. These movies are amazing to watch in black and white. And they've they've colorized some of the classics, and we'll get to that, you know, a little bit later on in the show. And it just doesn't have the same feel to it. You know what I mean? Well, exactly, and that's what I was saying. You know, when I watched, okay, Stephen King's Sleepwalkers in black and white. Oh Jesus! That was the first Stephen King movie I watched in black and white. That was the only Stephen King movie I ever watched in black <laughs> and white. You cannot watch that movie in black and white. You just can't do it. You know, you no. get to see that color change the car. You know, those two beautiful, beautiful colors. You don't get that. I'm like, well, it's gray. Okay. Well, and there's really? a little lighter gray. And then and it's a gray again. Gray. It's like, well, what the hell just happened? You know, I mean, it's, yeah, but it's bullshit. You get three colors. You get white, black, and gray. Okay, this is crap. But Black you know what? <laughs> At least you had sound. <laughs> At least I had sound, yes. <laughs> I did have sound. So, But it was still on a 13-inch TV, man. You got six, six inches from the damn TV just so you could see the thing. I don't even think it was 13 inches. That's, I think that's a big screen compared to what I was watching it on. It was <laughs> on one of those little handheld TVs that they had back in the 80s. He had to he had to crank it up so it stayed charged. <laughs> <laughs> you got like four channels. If, uh, if you had like if you had twelve foot uh, rabbit ears. <laughs> hey, you know I'm sure I'm sure my dad probably had one of those. You know if he's listening, I'm sure he had one of those. You know, uh, while you know on his daily commute to school, you know twelve feet. You know, deep in snow, no shoes, up both ways. Snow worst all year blizzard. round. Right. Worst blizzard of all, of all, like, the history of mankind. Every single day yeah. of the year for school. When I was your age, I had to walk to school uphill both ways and six feet of snow with no shoes on, and I liked it. <laughs> so grow the hell up. That was after it'd be, I milked the cows. It'd, it'd be like... From the chicken. <laughs> It'd be like, <laughs> like Dad, it's negative third outside. There's four feet of ice on the ground. Can you give me a ride? Let me tell you, when I was your age, <laughs> we used to ice grow the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't, we didn't worry about cars crossing the road. We just did backflips. <laughs> <laughs> we dropped over that motherfucker. <laughs> And, and but that's how it was though. I mean that you know and, and you know it's funny because I find myself doing the same thing with my kids. I'm like, you know what? When I was your age, if but and mine's not extreme though. You know, mine's not extreme. Yeah. Like, you know, my kids don't want to do something. I'm like, you know what? When I was your age, I had to do this or I did this and this and this. And and it does sound extreme compared to what they're used to. Oh yeah. But like when you I was know, your age, I loved playing outside. Going outside and riding my bike outside. Nowadays, it's like, oh my god, the outside sun's gonna burn me. Right. I mean, I'm like, 
They're like, okay, well, I'll, I'll just watch a YouTube video of someone riding a bike. I'll get the same right? experience. <laughs> speaking speaking, of, of, back in the speaking day. of a video, <laughs> speaking of a video of a bicycle, did you see that one I tagged you in on Facebook? Yes. Yes, I did. The scooter. Yes. Lisa, road rage doesn't require a car. He started shooting Roman candles at the guy. I was laughing I gotta my share ass off at that. Dude, you and, and I thought he – I, I will. I'll share it to our page tonight for you guys that don't get to see – for you guys that are listening that want to see this video. But basically what happened was this guy's riding a bicycle, and it says road rage does not, re, does not require a car anymore. And this guy's riding a bicycle, and this, this gentleman on a scooter cuts him off. No, well, no, 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 no. A, not gentleman. This okay, asshole. this asshole on a scooter. This dude was being he an cuts asshole. Him off. He, uh, so he cuts him off, and the guy's got this tube that's already mounted on his bicycle. He puts a firework in it and starts shoot, and shoots his firework at this guy on a scooter. Then he shoots another one. Well, he's like, get this, I'm going to the guy. He starts he's got shoot, pretty good aim, shoots, too. He does. Well, he shoots a Roman candle at the guy. As it's going off and the guy's riding, you see the scooter on the ground where the guy had wrecked his scooter. I thought he was on the ground at first, but no. The general, the guy keeps riding his bicycle. Next thing you know, you see the, the scooter guy running as the dude on the bicycle is coming up behind him, shooting the Roman candle in his direction at him. So- <laughs> oh, my God. That shit's great. But anyways, man, I want to talk about these movies, dude. I'm I'm gonna get smart yeah. on you today. Okay. I'm gonna get a little smart but on you today. Before we do that, you know about things, you know, back in the day in the good old days and you know, stuff like that. I think we need to bring an expert on. About the good old days. <laughs> An expert. The good old days. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Should we bring oh, our expert off? Shit. Now, how far back in the good old days are you talking here, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I gave you the shovel. Your hole. <laughs> That's a nice pretty shovel you gave me there, Brian. But uh, I'm going to have to lay it down for a second as we bring on our guest. Oh, Hello, I'm sure one of them. Are you with us? I'm sure she'll want to know how, uh, you know, how far back we're talking here, Dan. <laughs> no, I don't think she does. Hello, Hello D May. Hello, Brian. You're not plugged in I'm sorry. What's that? I can't hear you. I said you're glad that you're not plugged in there. Yeah, I, it's it's really hard to hear you. You sound kind of muffled there, but I did actually make that out. I think. Okay, I'm not muffled. I just come home from having surgery. Oh. Well, how'd everything go? Painful. Well, well I, I can understand that. Can you, have you ever gone to a hospital and not feeling anything and wake up with most appreciated things that will help your life? Um, no, I don't think I ever have. I don't. I don't think I can ever say that. No. I did. So the next time I say they want to cut my throat from the bottom of my ear down to my collarbone, I'm going to call it shot. Oh. Oh. That's not good. I'm sorry to hear that. 
I'm I'm glad you're uh, I'm glad you're 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 feeling well. Maybe not feeling better, but I'm glad you're doing okay. Yes, I'm doing fine. Home. Well, that's that's a good thing. Yes. The bad thing was my cousin gave me a ride home from the hospital, and I left him prescriptions in his truck, and he went back to Anadarko. Oh. Yeah, oh. I'm hoping that he nailed him right back so he back to your life while I'm there. I'm hoping you're there tomorrow. Yeah, we hope so. But so, uh, I'm sorry, Dan. I I can't hear. I can't hear her. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if she's still on. She's still here. Did you hear me? I I can hear you right there. Yes. Okay, I said let's start with the Christmas Carol. Definitely one of the greatest classic Christmas movies of all time. Yeah. But it depends on which one you're talking about because there's many different versions out there. The original black and white. Yes. Yes. My favorite has always been the one with uh, George C. Scott. Yes, that was a good one. Yes. They've all been pretty good. That's Some of them. And the original black and white, those are the two best, I think. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Now, that is definitely on the top of, I know at least my list, and I'm pretty sure Brian's list as well, of the best... Christmas classics ever. Oh, it's definitely on the top of the list, yes. Um, I was more of a fan of the novel by Charles Dickens and more than the movie itself, though. And and I know that goes goes without saying for almost every movie. Um, But, I don't know, I, I was just... It's one of those things where, you know... Uh, it's just reading, watching the movie, you know, you can get into it, and you're like, oh, wow, that's cool. And, you're, you know, you kind of feel like you're there. But reading the book, man, you are – you're like a character in the story, you know. And yeah. I don't know. Charles Dickens is an amazing author anyways. And oh, well, I mean he's, he's done some he's, amazing works. Oh, yeah. But, yes. Um, A Christmas Carol, you know, in all honesty, that's one of those movies, though, that I'm a big fan of every, of everyone they've made. Now, there have been a couple that I haven't really enjoyed all that much. Well, no, and and I, I mean, there are some that, you know, they're, they're questionable, I, I agree. Very, I just I didn't I didn't care much for it. Wasn't when they tried to do, um, tried to make it too much. They tried to make the oh whole thing yes, I forgot yeah. about that one. Yeah, that yeah. one. I, that I one agree. Was horrible. You know that's two weeks in a row now that we have 
literally mentioned one of the greatest actors of all time doing two really bad roles in movies. Uh, this is true. This is true. That just goes to show that even Jim Carrey is not a Christmas person. No. <laughs> no. Jim Carrey is not a Christmas movie type person. No. But I mean, well, and you know, the the sad part about it was even with all, even with the amazing cast that they had in that movie, there. I can't hear you. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. Have I possibly gone daffy? What is this? What's this? There's children throwing snowballs instead of throwing heads. They're busy building toys. Absolutely no one's dead. There's frost in every window. Oh, I can't believe my eyes. In my bones I feel the warmth that's coming from inside Oh look, what's this? The hanging mistletoe They kiss? Why that looks so unique Inspired! The gathering around Hearing story roasting chestnuts on a fire What's this? What's this? In here, they've got a little tree How queer! And who would ever think? And why? They're covering it with tiny little things They've got electric lights on strings And there's a smile on everyone So now correct me if I'm wrong This looks like fun, this looks like fun Oh, could it be? I got my wish What's this? Oh my, what now? The children are asleep. But look, there's nothing underneath. No ghouls, no witches here to scream and scare them or ensnare them. Only little cozy things secure inside their dreamland. <sighs> What's this? 
The monsters are all missing and the nightmares can't be found And in their place there seems to be good feeling all around Instead of screams I swear I can hear music in the air The smell of cakes and pies are absolutely everywhere The sights, the sounds, they're everywhere and all around I've never felt too good before This empty place inside of me is filling up I simply cannot get enough I want it, oh I want it, oh I want it for my own I've got to know, I've got to know what is the place that I am found what is this? Christmas time? Hmm. Ho, 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 Give us one second, ladies and gentlemen. We're still trying to figure out our technical difficulties. Well, it's filthy. 
Detroit Rock City Promotions, everything you need for your party, wedding, show, or event. DJ services, tent setup, table and chairs, mobile stages, sound and lighting, photography, on-staff reverend. Book DRCB Army today at 810-627-9773. That number again is 810-627-9773. Or find us on the web at DetroitRockCityPromotions.com. Bob's Big Ben Bowling. Stop by for some awesome food and bowling fun at Bob's Big Ben Bowling, located at 119 East Main Avenue, Ritzville, Washington. Or call ahead to reserve your lanes today at 509-659-0540. Open Monday through Fridays, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. and Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. That's Bob's Big Ben Bowling. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the show. We apologize for the technical difficulties. Um, apparently, somebody out there listening does not like the fact that we did not like Terry in Christmas movies, so they decided to cut us off. But we are back, and uh, yeah, we're back. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> loving these technical difficulties that we keep having uh, every week. It's it's, yeah. it's fucking awesome. It's, be, it's become like a part of the show. Our mascot, technical issues, <laughs> technical difficulties. Yeah, yeah. No, not a mascot that I want. Anyway, so Brian, you. Let's let's say you uh, let's say we get into this show. Yes, yes. You All already right. know what I want to talk about. I do, but before we get into that, there was a question that I posed on my personal Facebook when I shared the post today, and I was hoping somebody would call in and be able to tell us, but – okay, so the question I posed was what makes a movie a classic? I mean there are literally millions. Of movies out there. Literally. I mean, just just hundreds of millions of movies out there. What makes a specific movie a classic? Why do we consider it a classic? Now, I have a definition here. It's from a website, from filmsite.org. It says, classic films are often distinguished or unique works of cinema that have transcended time and trends with indefinable quality. Classics are renowned films of first rank reference points in (laughs) film mythology or films that have become a part of American cultural folklore. That's the definition I have here in front of me on my computer. Oh well, that's that's good to know that it's not on the side of you and on a book or something. <laughs> like I would read a book. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's no pictures in that shit. No, no, I mean Google's got you know fucking colors all over the place. Well, I think your definition really. I mean, I I thought you know after you brought this up to me earlier today, I thought long and hard about it. I really did, and uh, I bet that. You know, it really did. Um, I, well, the sandwich maker actually 
called <laughs> fire department. There was smoke rolling out of the ears so bad. That <laughs> she, she was concerned for, not my safety, but concerned for the safety of others. Mainly her and the children. Concerned for her safety. Hers and right, the children's I mean, safety. She didn't give a shit right. about you. Life insurance, you know, life insurance. Well, I'm just going to say. So if I die sometime within the next 24 hours, Dan, call and get an investigation started ASAP. <laughs> oh, I got you. I've already got, we got a private investigator lined up. Gotcha, gotcha. But I did, I, in, in all honesty, I thought long and hard about this. And, you know, I, I thought about classics that I was not around for in the time that these movies came out. And you know, if you if you look back at classic movies, um, I'm like I said, I'm actually going to get smart on you for a minute. Okay. But, so pre- be prepared. I hope you got a brand new, fresh depends on because you might <laughs> need it. But no, um. Classic movies, I mean, it's it's a 50-50 with classic movies and people. You're going to love them or you're going to hate them, plain and simple. Okay, you love them or you hate them because of their old-fashioned ways that they're done. Now, if you look at classic movies and the old-school movies, such as Gone with the Wind or The Wizard of Oz, you know, Dances with Wolves. Um, now, well, not Dances with Wolves, I'm sorry. But uh, movies like Casablanca, you know, or, you know, some of the classics we're talking about, Miracle on 34th Street, you know, the original, you oh, know, yeah. or a, a Christmas Carol, you know. But these movies are, whether you like them or not, they're a part of America's pop culture, popular culture. They're a part of America's pop culture. And very few films today will have a lasting impact on the, the American cultural experience. That's the best way I can put that. Um, due to the – I mean you think about it, okay, due to this fact right here. How many movies – are out there now that people go to the movies to see. Yes, there's people make millions and millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars on big time movies and stuff like that going to the movie theaters. But in all actuality, how many people don't go because they can wait for it to be rented, you know, or they can download it online, you know, free streaming sites, you know, this and that. So that takes away from that experience that we that we had as at a younger age or that there was before we were around and you know if you think about it the the percentage of the american public that actually goes to see movies in a movie theater is small compared to back in the day when there was gone when when gone with the wind came out you know, or when Casablanca came out, because they didn't well, have. Well, I mean, there was no other. There was no other way to see these movies, but. Well, no, I, I know, theaters. but I'm saying that that was part of the experience. I, I understand that, but that that's part of the uh, adds to that classic experience. You know what I mean? That was the thing that made that that's part of the experience of the film itself. Seeing it on that big screen. Now, you look now what about modern today. classics? Hold on a minute. I'm getting to that. Okay. If you look at movies of today, you know, you look at movies that are produced like 
by George Lucas, okay, or Steven Spielberg. James Cameron, even, with minus Titanic. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, that's but still considered a classic, even, but... Even James Cameron. They have the greatest chance of becoming a classic movie because of the fact that they stay through the more conservative way of storytelling techniques. Okay, if if you look at a lot of movies now... Yeah, they tell a story or whatever, but they don't capture the the true essence of what they're reaching for. You know, you go back to the class, you go back to something like It's a Wonderful Life. It's the true essence of the holiday spirit and what you know of the Christmas spirit or just the holiday spirit alone. Um, you know, if you look at – and you think they've got a way of storytelling that they, they reach, find a way of doing it. Look at Star Wars, for instance. Okay, Star Wars, the last Jedi the holiday just special. came out. Other than the holiday special, yes. <laughs> but it the, the, the last Jedi just came out. Okay, and although I have fought my damn to try and stay away from anything about this movie – I have gotten a, a piece here and a piece there, unfortunately, which I've literally fought and argued, and I, I know very, very little about it, and it's like nothing to actually give away the movie, so that's good. But George Lucas has a way of, of storytelling in film that's just it, – it, it's a phenomenal way of doing it. It's an amazing way that he does his stuff. Now, if you look at these at the films of the past, the classic films, they're a lot of them. They they really stay true to the 19th century novels, like I mentioned earlier with Charles Dickens, even and A Christmas Carol. You know, they use the the American mythology. You know, and like um, you look at the mythologies, like prime example, um, Wizard of Oz, even. You know, go into the back to the, there's no place like home, you know, go into another land. It's a dream, but going to another land and giving you that, that whole storytelling of the dream where you feel like you're there. So. You're, you're, you're. It's kind of, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I don't know, man. It, yeah. I was gonna say I you're think, getting, you're going on and on and you and you're going on in circles. Saying, no, I'm not. Really, that, that's not, not really thing. going in circles. It's that that's the thing though. That's what makes movies class. That's what I, I think. That's a big part of what makes movies classical is the fact that you don't have. They don't. I mean, nowadays it's all about let's just slap something together, put a few gunfights in it, and we'll call it a day. You know, or or we'll have a guy and a girl fall in love, and and something will happen to one, something will happen to the other. Boom, we're good to go because they got a big name actor, so it's gonna sell. But if you go back to classic movies, and, and I say classic movies because I I say it loosely because a lot of people may not feel that that's a classic movie, but. If you look back at the old school movies, they actually have a, a story to tell that you can follow along with, you know. And then you get people like George Lucas who creates a story that you can follow, you know. And a lot of movies now don't have that story. They don't give you that feel, you know. They don't draw you in the way that, you know, that, that you used to be able to be drawn into. Uh, 
So, I mean, hell, even Stephen King was is able to do that. I mean, he had a – it was a little bit more um, extreme way of bringing you in, but he had a way of drawing you in. Look at The Stand, prime example of a nice, long story that drew you in and made it such an amazing movie. Yeah, and okay, so I'm going to go back to the original question. What makes a movie a classic, whether it's a holiday classic or just, you know, a regular classic movie? And for me, and I'm going to go ahead and give my definition if that's okay. Um, for me, basically, what a classic movie is, it's a movie that transcends generations. It's a movie that adults can enjoy and kids at the same time. You know what I mean? It's it's not necessarily centered around a specific time period. Although a lot of people would say that you know, classic means old. Classic means you know, antique or whatever. And in some some instances it does. But for for the purposes of this show, for the purposes of the, the movies that we're talking about today, for me, classic movies are movies that transcend generations. So I mean, you know, like you were saying, you have the you have the older classics. You know, you have a Christmas Carol, White Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. All these older classic Christmas movies that we've we've all grown up on, you know, that our grandparents grew up on, that we grew up on, that our kids grew up, uh, you know, are growing up on, that their kids will grow up on. But then you have more of the modern day classics, you know. I mean, you have movies like The Polar Express, Nightmare. Before Christmas, uh, Scrooged, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. These are all movies that, you know, that we grew up on as kids, that our parents watched and, you know, may not have enjoyed as much as we did as kids, but these are movies that we pass on to our kids. The movies that transcend generations. Um, and, So the next question that, that, that comes to my mind is can a movie, despite whether it's good or bad, can it be forced into classic status? Can Hollywood or um, you know TV stations or whatever, can movies be forced into classic status? Uh, that's actually kind of a good question. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, it. What do you mean fork? Are you? Are, I mean, well, okay. I'm thinking of movies, specific movies in particular. Um, uh, like you know, the the live action version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. We talked about it last week. We both agree that other than Star Wars holiday special. It is one of the 
<laughs> one of the worst holiday movies ever made. Right. But it's a Christmas classic. It's one of those movies that TV stations will play over and over and over again. It's one of those movies that uh, people watch over and over again because it's a Christmas movie, because it's uh, you know it's based on such an iconic character within the Christmas uh, season. So well, I, can, is that, yes is that movie no. forced into classic status, or is it a classic because there are more people that like it that dislike it. Now, this is this is where this is where I agree and disagree. Because yes, How the Grinch Stole Christmas is a classic. But the live action How the live well, I was even very oh, to say that. The live okay. action How the Grinch Stole Christmas is not a classic. Um because I mean, if you think about it, okay, anything Doctor Doctor Seuss is a classic. It is just classic. Okay, we grew up on it. It it's it's it's, it's very popular. Okay, Doctor Seuss was amazing. But when you make it a live action film, yeah, it's the same movie along the same context and everything like that. But when it comes down to it, it's still in a sense a separate movie in its own. It's it's not the same as the the cart as the animated movie that we grew up on. So okay, I don't see now, it being a classic movie now to be considered a classic movie because they play it every single year. I'll say no on that as well because of the simple fact that that right there is TV stations pushing their own personal agenda. Okay, they're going to push. They want viewers. They're going to do what they can to get viewers. Jim Carrey is a household name. Jim Carrey is a huge name in Hollywood. Everybody loves Jim Carrey. If you don't like Jim Carrey, then, well, you need to find a golf club, hold it <laughs> upside down, and repeatedly beat your face in, beat yourself in the face with it until you render yourself unconscious because Jim Carrey's just awesome, except for two movies. Um. Well, now what about but, now what about movies like A Christmas Story? Well, and uh, I mean that movie is played on a twenty-four hour repeat. It, on, it is. It really is. They need to stop. There's so many other Christmas movies that they can play. They don't need to play oh, the same movie over and over to have it on. To have it on from eight o'clock Christmas Eve to eight o'clock Christmas Day. Well, and, and that's, that, that's part I of think. the tradition. Now, does that? Is that why it's a Christmas classic, or is it a Christmas classic because of the content? It, because it's, it's of all, the well, and dry out and, and you know the the playability of it and the quotability. I think the, that's where, that and I think that's where it gets complicated, though. I think that's where it gets complicated because movies like How the Grinch Stole Christmas, I don't agree that it's a classic because of the simple fact that. It's the it's not a good movie, and there was a lot of bad reviews on this movie even. But this movie's been pushed by its own by by networks agenda, personal agendas for viewing audiences. That's all they want are the viewers. They don't care what they're playing, and so they push a movie that's a well known movie for Christmas time with a very well known actor that's very great at what he does. 
But at the same time, movies like A Christmas Story, I will not say they are being pushed by their own agenda. But I agree it is the content within because how many times, man, how, how relatable can you be to the family within A Christmas Story? How relatable oh, yeah. can you actually be to that? And that's the thing that makes – that's one of the things that I go back to from what I was saying earlier with making movies. But between it, – it's kind of like making a movie a classic versus just an older movie or a newer movie or whatever. And it goes back to that because it's a story. They're telling a story that you can relate to. I mean – and that's part of the – that's part of what makes a movie so great is being able to not just have a, such a good story, but being able to have your viewing audience relate to it. And okay, so, so you're going along the, the – and I'm playing devil's advocate here you know, as I always do because I'm an asshole. Um, you're going along the relatability aspect of a movie, making it um, – making it or bringing that movie into classic status. Now, what about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? That in itself, and this is by far a Christmas classic. We both agree on that. However, how relatable is that that movie to other households? I mean, how many people have trees that go through their – through their window? Or have, you know, the um, the uncle show up in the big RV, and it's just absolutely nasty. <laughs> now, see, I have these answers to my own questions in my head, and I can answer my own questions. But for the sake of argument, I'm not going to. I'm going to ask you and our listening audience. What makes National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation a classic? Why is it a classic? Because it's it's not all that relatable to to everybody. You know, I mean, I don't have family that comes and visits me on Christmas. I really don't. I don't have family that, you know, me personally, my side of the family. My wife, on the other hand... You know, she has family that that visits and calls, you know, all the time. But you know, I I, I don't. You know, I don't have family that comes and visits me, or you know, that contacts me on a regular basis. Um, so I can't really relate to, uh, you know, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I can't relate to the movie. Right. So. What makes what makes that movie a Christmas classic? Well, I think it's the essence of the holiday spirit again. Um, you may not be able to relate to it, but how many people can relate to it? Whether being visited or visiting other family on the holiday. Not to mention the family aspect in its in its own. And the vacation, the trips that they take, you know, how many growing up, how many people do you see or do you know of that talked about having a dad that was a nutcase or had, you know, had issues with their sister or their brother or this or that. And I, it's because it makes it a relatable movie. So 
there's always something in there that, you know, you can relate to. And I'll go back to not Christmas vacation, but I'll go back to vacation. I could see my dad being that guy driving the car on a long on a long stretch and my mom be asleep and he's trying to flirt with the girl next to him, you know. I I can see that. <laughs> you know, I, I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if we'd ever go as far as like tying a dog to a bumper or anything, but I could see my family being forgetful to do something like that. You know, I mean we're dysfunctional, you know, but and that's what makes it so so hilarious to me is the fact that I could see my family doing certain things like that. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, it it's because it's very relatable in a lot of different ways. And it may not be specifically to you, but to a lot of people out there, yeah, it's very relatable, I'm sure. Okay. All right. Uh, I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> now, so we all know. Uh, okay. Everybody out there pretty much knows all the, the you know, older Christmas classics. I mean, you talk to anybody and. You know, you mentioned Christmas classic, you know, classic Christmas movies, and the first one that's going to pop into their head is either It's a Wonderful Life or Miracle on 34th Street. So, now, these movies are definitely classic movies in and of themselves, but they are classic Christmas movies. So... Now, now we talked about you know some of the newer, um, some of the newer classics. What about what is it with these two particular movies? And we'll even we'll even extend it into uh, like White Christmas. That another great movie. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What makes these? What makes these particular movies classic? Well, I mean, we can't we can't relate to um, Stuart and It's a Wonderful Life because I mean we don't have an angel that's going to show us what life is like, you know, without us. Well, not only that, but I don't yell hot dog every time I light my lighter either. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of weird. That'd be kinda weird. <laughs> hot dog! Hot dog! Hot dog! <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna do that at work Monday night and see how many responses I get. Every time I go to light my lighter, I'm gonna be like, "Hot dog." <laughs> I'll even do one better. I'll go. I wish I had a million dollars and light it <laughs> and then see what they say. <laughs> but anyway, that's actually really classic. Other than other than their age, that's that's actually a really good question. I mean. Um, not being able to be relating to relatable to, and like I said, uh, then again, it goes back to we may not be able to relate, but I'm sure somebody can relate to, and, and yes, in a sense, we can relate because in a, within a wonderful life, they're sitting there talking about, you know, the 
it's it's him. He's hit the bottom of his rope. He he's trying. You know, he's tried his damnedest to do everything he can. He's hit an all time low. He's just like, I'm done. I just want to kill myself. Let my family have the money. You know, life would be better without me. And then something happens, and he realizes that he does want to be with his family. Now, granted, we don't get to you know we don't get to experience like what life would be like without us. Which I'm not going to lie, that would actually be kind of cool to actually live through that for a moment just to see. You know what I mean? But I, I think it's we can't relate to what he did through the movie, but I think it's because we can relate to we've hit the bottom. Of, we we've hit the last straw. We can't go no further. We don't know what else to do. And we think that, you know, things would be better if, if we weren't there. I don't know. What about you? I mean, I can see that point. And, and you're focusing, you know, on It's a Wonderful Life, mainly because it's, you know, your all-time. I, I was trying to be non-biased. <laughs> no, you're being completely, totally biased because you didn't even mention Miracle of 34th Street or White Christmas. Uh, well, I was trying to make it short because I wanted to hear your answer on it too. Well, concerning it's a nail on the head. Uh, you know, it's it's we can all relate. Most of us, anyway, can relate to being at the being at the bottom of our rope. You know, having that thought. You know. If I was just able to give family this money, they'd be way better off. You know, I mean, bills are piling up. Everything is past due, facing eviction, facing foreclosure, uh, facing repossession, you know, all this. And this big lump sum of money would, you know, be able to help my family. It's it's the last-ditch effort to support your family and to take care of them and set them up. You know, and there are a lot of people out there that you know can relate to that. When it comes to miracle industry, I think I think it's a classic because of the story it tells. We talked a lot about relatability, and I'm going to continue on with with with, with this, where. There are a lot of us, and, and, and I know I've experienced it, and Brian, I know you have too because you've talked about it, where you know things are kind of going a little little rocky for Christmas and, and you know maybe you haven't been able to, to you know get your wife a present or your girlfriend a present or your significant other, or you haven't been able to you know provide you know for the kids or whatever, and then all of a sudden – Right around Christmas time, it seems like that that one thing that you've been hoping for, that one miracle, happens. You know, and it always seems to happen right around Christmas time, right around the time where you need it the absolute most in order to make your family, despite lack of of, of a better word, happy. Right. You know, and and White Christmas kind of goes along the same lines, you know, but White Christmas goes the other way. With White Christmas, it's about uh, White Christmas, honestly, 
the whole movie is about the 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 joy of giving. You know, it's it's about you know these soldiers that are giving their commanding officer a a wonderful Christmas presentation. You know, a, a, an amazing Christmas show, and they've got the radio people there. Um, and I, I don't remember if it if they had TV there as well. I don't. I mean, it, it's you know, I don't remember, but. It's all about the joy of giving. It's all about the joy of making somebody happy. And I think, again, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, that's what this – that's what the spirit of this holiday is all about. It's the spirit of giving. It's the spirit of joy, making other people happy, making other people joyous, and that's what White Christmas – is truly all about. And that's why in my eyes, that's why it's a classic and that's why it's it's relatable. Not only that, but Bing Crosby can fucking sing. Oh my god, yeah. He's not much of an actor, but I mean the guy's got a voice on him that's that's just amazing. Oh yeah. But uh but I mean that's that's to me what makes the the older movies, especially these three in particular, that are the biggest classics um, of of the Christmas season. And I mean we we haven't touched on a Christmas Carol, but we will. Um, but these three in particular, I mean these are the three that most people think of when they think of Christmas. I mean, It's a Wonderful Life is probably the first one that pops into their head, and then Miracle on 34th Street, um, you know, and then A Christmas Carol and White Christmas and on. Um, but these are the biggest Christmas classics um, that pop into people's heads, and these are the most, uh, the most notable. Um, I know that I grew up having It's a Wonderful Life and Miracle on 34th Street on the TV. During the Christmas season. When I was on Christmas break, those movies were on the TV while I was either playing in the living room or playing upstairs in my room or doing whatever I was doing during Christmas break. Those movies would be on the tele- on the TV, and I would come in and sit down and watch a little bit of it and you know, then go away. And I mean, These are the classic movies that I remember when I was a kid. Now, I... Re- my my parents were really big on a Christmas uh, excuse me a Christmas story and it's a wonderful life and it's funny because I actually like I've told you before I actually grew up hating that movie I've seen it's a wonderful life more times than I ever wanted to and once again I grew up in the era with color TV I didn't want to watch nothing black and white. You know what I mean, but yeah, I I finally got a, I finally I got a bit older. I sat down, I I watched it one year with my family, and I'm like, man, this I didn't even want to watch it, but it was like I felt like I needed to watch it because it was Christmas and I hadn't seen it in so many years. And I watched it and fell in love with it, you know. But there was something about it, and and it was the same thing with us, you know. There was always something. My dad was a big fan of Miracle on 34th Street. My mom's a big fan of. 
um, a Christmas story. You know, she's got the Red Ryder BB gun, you know, and the lamp. She's got a lamp, too. But, you know, they're big fans of that movie. So they were always on, they were always being played. You know, it was one of those things where they liked this movie so much, we've actually seen them throughout the year as well. You know, it wasn't just Christmas, but those movies were always being played as well. So, you know, same thing. You know, I grew up with the stuff on TV. You and I have been talking a lot about what makes a movie classic or, or you know, a Christmas movie, a classic Christmas movie. And we've gotten our opinion in there. Um, what do you say we bring somebody else on and get their opinion? Saying it's a wonderful. <laughs> Hello, you're uh, live with two guys in a balcony. Hey guys. Hello. How are Hello. you? Hello. I'm good. Just watching, you know, teenagers play Star Wars Lego. So. Oh, that's always fun. Oh yeah. When I could be watching some Christmas classics. Hey Dan. Remember yes. back when we were in the apartment, we'd sit there and play uh, Batman Lego, like, nonstop for hours? <laughs> uh, that's how we beat the damn game. That's right. Uh, so, babe. Yeah. In your eyes, what makes what makes a movie a classic? And more specifically, what makes a Christmas movie become a, a a classic in and of itself. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. In her eyes? Now that's a question of thought. So wouldn't it be in your mind instead of in your eyes? In you your opinion. Think about it. There you go. In Thank your you. Opinion. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Um, I mean, I always figured. I always thought of Christmas classics. Or even, I guess, any classic being the the movies that I grew up on that were so good that my kids enjoyed them, or the movies that my mom grew up on that I then enjoyed that again my kids would enjoy. You know, the ones that carry on through the years because I know, like, A Christmas Story. I loved it as a kid. My kids love it. I hope their kids love it. But, well, there's no but, you know. I was waiting for the but. That's what I was waiting for. It sounded like she was going. Our six-year-old asked all day today when we're going to watch White Christmas because that is my, that's my classic movie. That's the movie that I watch every year for Christmas. Can't get enough of it. I could probably watch it as much as we watch A Christmas Story on Christmas Eve. It could be. It's a wonderful life if you give that another chance. I'm going to give it another chance. I didn't get a chance to this week, but I, I plan on watching it this next week. <laughs> I had to, you. Yeah, I had an opening. I had to throw it in there. I was waiting for it. That Dan told me you guys had been too busy and hadn't had a chance to sit down and watch it or nothing. So I understand how that goes. So I plan on watching my Christmas movies all within the next week or so. Yeah. Yeah, us too. With the way my schedule's been, though, I won't get to my Christmas movies until (laughs) (laughs) mid-July. 
<laughs> so then you'll be set up for next uh, next year's Christmas special. Right. I'm not late. I'm just really early. <laughs> <laughs> Get to jump on the uh, holiday season. That's right. Now, what about modern day classics? What makes them a um, classic? Like, like uh, the Santa Claus or Polar Express, or you know, dare I even say Home Alone? Mm. What? What makes these movies classic? Why? I guess because, well, for the most part, they're they're Christmas staples. I don't know that. I mean, I I would say they're more modern day classics, but because they're staples, you know that ninety percent of kids or families are going to watch those movies together. We watch um, Santa Claus, whether it's Christmas time or not. I mean, the kids love that movie. Um, Polar Express, we all know that we watch that every year, so. I guess I guess movies that no matter what the generation is or what the time frame is that they're made in, they're staples for families. Okay. Speaking of on that, since you did mention Santa Claus movies and stuff like that, I also want to mention another thing going back to what Dan, you had asked earlier too. And what makes a movie, what makes these movies classic compared to now? Realism. Okay, we can relate to a realistic time, a realistic moment, or a realistic, you know, storyline. And then we get these movies nowadays where it's all unrealistic. Just I don't I don't want to say garbage, but to throw them in with classic films, yeah, they are garbage. Um, movies like you know the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Yes, Tim Allen is an awesome actor. I love the dude. He's very funny, but. Electrified tinsel that can cut through steel bars in a gel cell, you know, and <laughs> it, it's stuff like that. Or Home Alone with this kid that that literally whoops these two guys' asses time and time again, you know. And and there's not a single adult anywhere around. There's there's nobody. There's no way he could get some help other than handle it his own, you know. This and that, all this other. Stuff. So it, it just realism is. I think a big part of what adds to the classic nature of the movies. Yeah, I think Santa Claus is awesome. I I would agree. The first Santa Claus was was good. Um, the ones after that were kind of put in a stretch a little bit. Um, I mean. Santa Claus 2, where he has to find a wife, and then Santa Claus 3, where, you know, Jack Frost comes in and takes over. I watched the first one, and that was it. Well, second one's not bad. Third one's just kind of reaching out there, and it's just kind of... Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we talk a lot about relatability in these movies. And realism and stuff like that, Brian, you've mentioned it, I've mentioned it, and, you know, babe, you've mentioned it. What about the Polar Express? Because the Polar Express is in, you know, you actually hit the nail on the head. It's, it's not so much a classic as a staple. 
Um, but it's not really relatable in, really to anyone. I mean, I know as a kid, I didn't get on a big train up to the North Pole. I mean, I wish I would have. That would have been amazing. But No, but it, it fits into every kid's fantasy. I will, yes. Yes, it does. Nicely put. Thank you. Because my okay. co-host couldn't find those words. <laughs> <laughs> I can say uh, real quick. Relate. I'm, I'm sorry. Real quick, I just want to throw out there, anybody out there listening, if you guys have any comments or a classic movie that you guys would like to bring up and explain to us why it's your classic movie or you want to debate the classic movies, feel free to do so. Call us and talk to us about that. That number you can reach us at is 646 668 Six, seven. We are live for another 32 minutes, so make sure you guys do that soon. Yes, yeah, sorry. I'm, we haven't been sorry, able to... I didn't throw that out there earlier. You didn't throw it out there earlier. We're both selfish, and all we want to do is talk to ourselves. Well, no, I think uh, I think the beginning of the show and the technical difficulties that we had kind of threw us off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it really did. Um, Dan? Yes. We we actually do have a caller on the line. Okay. So one of when we do you are, well, I was gonna say keep our current caller on or finish up with. Well, her I was going to say um, for the caller that's on the line. Hold on, we will be with you here very shortly, and we'll wrap up with this one, and we'll get to the next one. Besides, she's going to have to go soon, anyways, because she's got to watch. It's a Wonderful Life. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I better get on that then. <laughs> I am actually I really looking forward to I think he's trying to your... kick you off the air right now. Well, no, I, I really am. I, I'm excited to hear what you thought about the movie when you do watch it. I know we talked about that last week, but I'm looking forward to it. I was, that was the first thing I said to Dan when we, when we got into the studio tonight was, hey, did she watch It's Wonderful Life yet? So I'm excited. Well, I'll make a point of watching it this week. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, do that. All right. You guys have a good night. Thank you. You too. too. Love you. Love you. Love you. Dan, she had a good point on the Polar Express, though. It it really is. She did. It it really is a a, a staple in, you know, it's a very nice way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a staple because it is every kid's fantasy to, you know, go meet Santa Claus and especially to get the very first present of Christmas. Right, not the little so, freaks that dress up in the mall and stuff. Yeah. Which actually, I got a funny story about that. I'll tell you after this caller who we have on the that we have on hold. So, uh, you want to bring the caller on real quick? Absolutely. Hello, you are live with two guys in the balcony. Who are we talking to tonight? George, 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 Mary, Mary, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> there it was. It's a wonderful life. I don't think that's really sounded like a pro movie, but it was close enough. <laughs> the best, the best Christmas movie ever made. Besides, maybe a lot of people didn't like the Home Alone set, which after the first one, they were stupid. The first one was actually decent. I mean, you know, some of the stuff the kid would have never pulled off, but, you know, it was a good comedy. But uh, I like 
it's a wonderful life because of the story behind it. It's about this guy that had given everything up his whole life for other people and stuff, and then one day he just finally, he's ready to call it quits, and he found out what it would have been like without him there, and, you know, he got turned around and everything, and I that's why I liked it so much. Dan? You looked like you were going to say something there for a minute. You were waiting on me, but it's like you were looking like you wanted to say something. No, I was waiting on you. Oh, okay. On you. This, well, is, this is more and, of your area of expertise than mine. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Um, I actually I grew up on It's a Wonderful Life. I was telling you know Dan and our listeners earlier to, earlier that you know my parents my my dad watched it religiously, and every Christmas every every year. It was it was like a tradition. We had to sit down and watch it, and I hated it. I hated this movie, he's, but it's because I grew like up. A great guy. I grew up in the I grew up in the time frame of color TV. I did not like black and white movies. Now, as I got older, I grew a love for them. You know, when you I mean, there are so many classic great movies that are that are black and white. Nosferatu. We talked about that a few months back. Or a couple months oh, yeah. ago, you know, we talked about, you know, Psycho, you know, It's a Wonderful Life, Casablanca, you know, all these movies are black and white greats that will forever hold a, a, a massive, you know, I, I don't even want to well, say footnote, but they will hold like, a massive uh, place in history for what they've done. And I hate that's it. Like that's like when they made Scrooge. The original was in the third, like thirty-one or forty-one, something like that. And then they done the one in fifty-three, I think it was, with Alistair Sim. And that one's really good. Now it's been—I've had it forever on DVD. But when I bought it at the time, when I bought it, I didn't know it like it. But it's got a two DVD set. Well, one day I made the mistake. I grabbed the wrong one and put it in. And I thought the second was just uh, features and stuff. Well, it's got a color version, and then it's got the original black and white. And the color version just looks, I mean, they've done a terrible job on it. It's a black and white movie anyway, but it just wasn't done very well. I mean, well, I think, the color on it looks really generic. Well, and Dan and I have talked about black and white movies before, where black and white movies give you a whole... It, it captures like a whole new essence to the story that you're watching. And yeah. okay, yeah, you were talking about making a black and white movie colorized. They did the same thing with the original um, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah, uh, from uh, forty seven. Yeah. The original Miracle on 40, 34th Street in black and white is is amazing because yeah, of the story it tells and the way it tells it and the time period it tells it. But to add color to it, and the way they originally added color to it, and this was the first time I'd seen the colorized version of it was back in uh, back in the 80s. They just, like you said, they just did a horrible job of it and just absolutely ruined the movie. Yeah, and they done the same thing. They colorized It's a Wonderful Life, too, and that just 
that screwed it to heck. It was it, that and the color in that. I thought it was a little bad in Thirty Fourth Street and the other one, but it in a it's a wonderful life. I mean, you can literally see where the colors didn't match, and it just it they done a really bad job. Whoever done the mastering on that, it it was really generic. And that's why, and then Brian, I know you'll agree with me. That's why you just don't mess with the classics. Yeah. Um, and I mean, they've remade Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, and they've remade um, a Christmas Carol numerous times. I mean, there's even a Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol, um, yeah. which is actually kind of cute. You know, if you're yeah, looking. I like. I think the one with Alistair Sims is the best. That's the one from '51. A lot of people like the newer one they made with George C. Scott or Patrick Stewart. And I just, I didn't think they played the character very good. I, I just didn't care for it. Now, see, I, I disagree with you on that one. Um, the one back in, in 51 was, was amazing, of course. It's a, it's a classic. It's one of those that you have to watch. Um, but I actually liked the one with George C. Scott. Oh, did um, you? I did. I actually did. I think um, I think he played an amazing Scrooge. I think the story was right along with the essence of what uh, Charles Dickens was trying to portray in his book. Um, yeah. And it it's as good as the original. Um, did you ever see you, the one with Henry Winkler? No, I can honestly say I have never seen the one. Oh, man, movies. I don't think I've my, seen that. No. My my wife was ready to break the screen on that one. <laughs> I'm going to have to look I, that up now. I'm going to have to I'll find that you, somewhere. You just got Dan and myself uh, intrigued. We're, we're both on the search now. Yeah, yeah she didn't care for that one at all. Now, you know people. what? It wasn't even fun plays the Scrooge. It was just nasty. Here, now here's I gotta watch it. Just, here's something that just popped in my mind. Okay, you mentioned Scrooge, and immediately I thought about one of my favorite movies, and I, I thought Scrooge with Bill Murray. And I'm yeah, thinking this movie was done in the this movie was done in the 80s. Now, what if they were to redo it? No, stop. What you no, doing? No, 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 no. Hold on. No, don't you know it. it's you know it's gonna happen. No, it's you know not. it'll happen. No, it's not it that popular done, of a movie. What if it was to be done though, with Willem no. Dafoe? No. Oh my god. No, we're I can see not, that actually. I could actually dude, see man. that going in. A, I I could no, see that going. No. No, I could though. I really could. No. No, Brian, you're wrong. What you gonna What you gonna do? Come out with an M16 and start blasting? <laughs> this production needs more cowbell. Ah, I mean. Yes, it needs more yes. cowbell. Now I don't go in for a lot of these modern ones because a lot now, of them Grant, are too stupid. But there was one that was made about ten years ago, or maybe a little earlier. It uh had a oh, what's his name? I think his the actor's name is Roger Mosley. He's a he's a young white guy. Uh, but it's called the Christmas Child, and that that was a pretty good story. It uh, it wasn't the traditional Christmas story, but it it was pretty good. And it was about this kid that 
he uh, was in orphanage, and then when he got grown up to an adult, there was a story in this town that he went to cover, and it's where his uh, original family was from and everything. And it was it was actually a pretty good story, and uh, it it was pretty good. But you know, there's there's so many new ones made anymore. You can't hardly even keep track of them, and it's just. I, I'm confused. I, I'm sorry. I got to go back to something that happened a few months ago. I mentioned Willem Dafoe, and I mentioned Willem Dafoe, and Dan, yeah, you were right. talking like Christopher Walken. I know. What the I know. hell is wrong with you? I what don't. Do you think, what do you think about a Christmas Carol, the animated with Jim Carrey? Horrible. <laughs> we were actually Absolutely talking about that horrible. earlier. It was horrible. I think I think it, I think the CGI was over the top. You know, it was I think a little the extreme. Was over the top. The, well, I was gonna say the acting as well, but the CGI was bad. The, you know, it was it was too much. The acting was too much. It's like we were talking about last week with, um, with how the Grinch stole Christmas. It was it was very badly done. No, Jim Carrey is. Well, I actually Dan, like how Carrie done the Grinch because when he done some of the face things, I know they were from, you know, tightening the mask and everything, but they made that look almost identical to some of the stuff in the cartoon. I mean, you know, they done pretty good on the makeup and stuff. Dan, I'm going to let you fill that one. Okay. For me, okay. I like Jim Carrey in most things. But again, for me, just as in the live action How the Grinch Stole Christmas, I think the body language was too much. I think it was a little over the top. They were trying to bring Jim Carrey in as, as he was known back in the Ace Ventura days. Yeah, I sort of thought that at first in certain scenes, yeah. Yeah. But for me, it it kind of takes away from the meaning of what – the meaning of the actual story. What Charles Dickens is trying to actually portray in in the book. Because if you read the book and then you watch the Jim Carrey version – I mean, it's 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 the Jim Carrey version is just way out there. I mean, even yeah. even the Mickey's version, even Mickey's Christmas Carol is more. It, well, Mickey's it, it, is out there, but Mickey's is aimed more for kids too. So you gotta sort of. It is, but it follows know. more in line with the book, and it, and it portrays more of the spirit of what Charles Dickens was trying to portray than yeah. Jim Carrey's does. Jim Carrey's was just because Jim Carrey was a big hit on and how the Grinch stole Christmas. So, I mean, honestly, they were riding a cash cow with that one. And, and then we have the, the other iconic version of a uh, Christmas Carol with the Muppets. <laughs> I mean, See, you got Paul. You got Fozzie Bear and the the gang in there, and they're they're kicking butt. 
Oh, yeah. See, for me, that one is right along with um, Mickey's Christmas Carol. It's <laughs> While it's not 100% true to the book, it does still portray the the spirit of the book, the spirit of the story, whereas the one that Jim Carrey did, it the, the over-the-top physical acting takes away from it. And then you've got the yeah. one with Patrick Stewart that's just boring. Well, I'll go back to the Jim Carrey thing. Because if, if you look, I mean, the way... And this this really actually kind of upset me, being that Jim Carrey played the role of Ebenezer Scrooge in the movie. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, he's, he you know, Scrooge is portrayed in, in the usual way that he's he's always been, you know, viewed as. You know, but the treatment of his character was almost sadistic in this movie. And, I don't know, it was just... I don't know. I there was a lot about this movie that I didn't like. I mean, the way he's tossed around and attacked in the film, you know, it completely distracts you from the actual issue in the movie that yeah. is supposed to be a redemption of his soul. Yeah. And yeah. you know, obviously Scrooge is a, Scrooge is a character that no one ever really cares about. If you think about it, I mean, nobody really liked him or really cared too much for him, but you know, the spirits in the movie were dull. You know, um, there's, you know, the, the Tiny Tim and Bob Cratchit in the movie are boring. And, hell, the, the, the kid in the movie isn't even, even like, doesn't even give much interest. You know, and, and the thing is, there's no emotion that you get from Jim Carrey's Scrooge. No, it's just so, like... Like it was portrayal just, of of the Grinch and how the Grinch stole Christmas. Right. It was, it was all like, about it was all about him. It was all about Jim Carrey. It was all about his physical acting. That's there, all right. it was. And there there was no emotion there. Like so when when you go to something when you when you watch this movie, I mean Scrooge is a I would say that Scrooge is a very hard role to play. It's a very hard role to portray. Okay, Dan, I know you're a hateful person at times, and you could have probably pulled this <laughs> off pretty easily. But at the same time, put in that spot to play the role of Scrooge, that's a hard thing to do. It's got to be, even for somebody like Jim Carrey, you know, because you got to get that emotion just right. you got to hate – you got to find a way to make yourself hate the holiday, you know, to be able to be believable for that film. Look at something like – look at Heath Ledger as the Joker in Batman – you know, he had to make himself mentally believe that, that role, to be able to make it that well. And Jim Carrey can't do, couldn't do that. I mean, we, we he could not do that. No, no. And our caller, who we seem to have lost here recently, um, he had mentioned the very briefly um, the Christmas Carol. With uh, Patrick Stewart in it, and now Brian, you and I can both agree that the Christmas Carol, whether it's the book or 
on the television screen or on the big theater, the Christmas Carol is like you said, it's a story of redemption. Um, and in order for it to be enjoyable, in order for for it to be believable, um, you have to kind of get yourself involved with the actor playing Ebenezer Scrooge. In in the book, you the way that Charles Dickens writes, and we both, and you know, you said this earlier, and we both agree. That Charles Dickens is an amazing author, just absolutely amazing. Yes, he is. Um, and he he brings you into his books, and he uh, he makes you feel for the primary antagonist in the book, um, and the primary I'm sorry, the primary uh, pro- protagonist in the book. Um, but in 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 the movie A Christmas Carol, done in 1999, and Dan, are you with us? Um, anybody? gentlemen we are back and i apologize for the uh technical issues we're having again uh bear with us for one moment and we will be right back right after this Roller 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Sorry about the uh, confusion here and the technical issues that we're having, trying to figure out what's going on. Continued technical difficulties that we're having. Yes, continued. I'm telling you, man, every time we've talked about Jim Carrey tonight, we get cut off. Well, we were actually talking about Patrick Stewart at that point, but you're right. Well, we well, had been talking about um, Jim Carrey right before that. Right. And, you know, so I, I'm i telling you, somebody, we're pissing somebody off. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, we do apologize for all the technical difficulties that we have been having. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned is uh, the fact that we are on. All social media accounts, ladies and gentlemen, we are on our, we are on Facebook. Go uh, up to your search bar, search, type in two guys in a balcony radio show. Click on the link, go to our Facebook page, hit that like button, hit that share button. Um, check out all the cool stuff we've got on that page, um, and uh, yeah, go check that out. We've also got our Twitter account. Go ahead and, and uh, search for two guys in a balcony on that. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we've got our own merchandise. Go to cafepress.com backslash TGIAB. Um, go there and you can check out all kinds of cool two guys, uh, merchandise stuff. There is still barely enough time, depending on shipping, for you guys to get your, uh, two guys gear before Christmas. Um, it makes a wonderful Christmas gift. Um, so go and check that out. Uh, we do still have about seven minutes of our live show. If you would like to call in and talk to us about the Christmas classics we've been talking about or about any Christmas classics that you think we have missed, please call in at 646-668-8467. I know that we've been having some technical difficulties and that you know we've missed a couple chances to um, you know, promote our Facebook and our social media sites and to put the number out there. And we do apologize. Um, hopefully we've been kind of will. distracted because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully this, this bullshit will stop. Um, and we'll be able to continue the live show without incident and, um, you know, be able to do our one hour podcast without, um, without incident. So no, that'll that'll be the part that works out perfect. Watch. Oh, of course, it always does. We have issues during the live segment, but we never have any issues during our recorded session, except right there at the end where it tries to say, "Hey, uh, I'm, you guys are done." <laughs> I'm I'm still baffled at the fact that I mentioned Willem Dafoe, and you quote Christopher I Walken. Know. I know. I don't know what I was thinking. I got I got them mixed up. I apologize. To Mr. Willem Dafoe, I apologize to Christopher Walken. I apologize to you, Brian, and I apologize to all of our listeners because they probably think I was an idiot. When not I really only wasn't. are those two of not only are those two of my favorite <clears throat> actors, but they are two of one of the greatest actors. I wouldn't put them in greatest but, actors. Status. No, come on now, no, come on now, really? No, no, no. They're good. I don't know. They're good. But at the same time, though, wouldn't that be interesting to see No, Willem no. Dafoe? T- no, no, no. Listen, no. Willem Dafoe trying to talk about needing more cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. 
Uh, dude, I actually have that. I have I have the uh, for for last year for Christmas, my sister and her husband gave me uh, a best of Saturday Night Live, Will Ferrell. And the very first episode on there is the one with Christopher Walken. With their, when they're in the studio recording, they're like, "We need, I need more cowbell." <laughs> it's the very first one, and I love it. I'm like, "Yes, that's the way well, to set it up right there." Like I said, I do sincerely apologize for getting the two mixed up. Look, even I make mistakes, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not, uh, I'm not perfect by any means. I'm sure that if we brought on the wife, she would probably agree to that. Yeah, but let's not do that. <laughs> let's, just, so, let's just leave her on, 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 you know, let's just leave her on mute and she can just listen and then she can, you know, agree, agree with you after the show. Right. Now, Dan, earlier you had asked me a question and I wanted, and you let me take the question because, you know, um, it's my favorite movie. But well, one of my favorites. But I want your opinion on it. You had asked me about "It's a Wonderful Life" and why I feel like it's a classic. So now I want to ask you why you feel if it's a classic. If if you feel that it's a classic, and if so, why? What makes "It's a Wonderful Life" a classic in your eyes? Okay. Well, to answer your first question, yes, of course, it's a classic. Um, it is a classic movie, and it is a classic Christmas movie. Uh, it was done in the golden era of Hollywood, when you had all the big stars coming out. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, it had, it was just, it, you know, I mean, it had uh, Jimmy Stewart, it had Donna Reed. I mean, it was just, it was just amazing. I mean, hell, the, the director was Frank Capra. I mean, who does not know Frank Capra? Right. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's one of those movies that can transcend all generations. You know, like I was saying at the beginning of the show, that's what makes a movie a classic. It can transcend all generations. And to to kind of uh, piggyback off of what you were saying, um, it is one of those movies that is is very relatable. You know, I mean, who hasn't been at the bottom of the barrel at one point in their life? Right. You know, who hasn't wanted to you know be able to just say you know fuck it all? You know, I can help my family best by giving them my insurance money. You know, so, and then it's 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 also a story of redemption. You know, because uh, because George, I mean, honestly, at the de- at the end of the movie, he's redeemed. You know, he sees what life is like without him. He sees how many people he has touched, um, either through. Uh, you know, either through like direct or you know indirect contact with these people, 
and it just it's just one of those movies that makes you feel good. Um, and I mean that's that's honestly basically what I can say about that movie. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, we do have about a minute left of our live segment. Um, please tune in next week. We will, we will be talking about our absolute all-time favorite uh, Christmas movies. We already know what Brian's is. It's a wonderful life. We've discussed it over the past couple weeks. Uh, but tune in next week, and I will, I will be revealing my absolute favorite Christmas movie of all time. Which um, basically means Dan doesn't know what his all-time favorite Christmas <laughs> movie is, so he hasn't made up his mind yet. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. And thanks for calling me out, dick. Um, but, uh, yeah, check us out next week. Um, we will be posting the show either tonight or early tomorrow. Um, we've only got a couple seconds left. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the live segment. And here in just a couple seconds, we will be on our recorded session where we will be um, diving into the Christmas classic cartoons. So stick with us.
What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to Two Guys in a Balcony right here on RadioAFS.com, Fatboy Media, ERCP Army. I am Brian, and with me, as always, is my best friend, Dan. He's been here all night, so if you didn't know that by now, well, you do now. But welcome back to the show. This is the podcasted section of our show where you would have to have gone back and clicked that link again just so you can listen to this or downloaded it. But if you didn't do that, then you're not hearing us right now. Shame on you. So much for the holiday spirit of giving, huh? Because you can't even afford to give us an extra listen. But, right? <laughs> Dick. But before before the break, we uh, we were sitting there talking, and we had a few callers on the line. And, uh, you know, we got, the, got some insight from everybody. And, you know, we've been talking about some of the greatest Christmas classics of all time. And... So, Dan, I know you had had one. You were talking, didn't you? Say you were gonna, you were gonna bring one up. And well, uh, before we went on break, um, like you mentioned, we've been talking a lot about the the classic Christmas movies that we grew up on. What makes them classic, and why we love them so much. One thing we have really neglected to talk about. Um, over the past couple weeks, and we've only mentioned really one, is um, Christmas cartoons. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of them out there that are actually classics for, I mean, for you and I, you know. And I wanted to kind of go into some of those and why those are actually classics. Anything? All right. Oh, I thought you were still going. I thought you were still <laughs> going. I mean, so indulge me, sir, in one of your favorite Christmas classics, cartoons. Okay. Well, I'm going to start off with my all-time absolute favorite classic Christmas cartoon. It is one that I have seen at least twice a year since before I can remember. It actually has one wait of the Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, sir. I'm sorry. Since I can remember. How do yeah. you know? How do you know if you've seen it at least twice a year if it was before you could remember? Because my parents told me. How do you know they weren't lying to you? Parents lie to their kids all the time. Just go with it. <laughs> you're a speech, you dick. <laughs> Let it be in the Christmas spirit, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> Much love, brother. Anyway. <laughs> Permit me to grab another beer so that I can uh, discuss this with you. Yes, because Dan can't talk to me without drinking. I mean, this is true. This is true. Which is kind of scary because, uh, you know, we used to talk a lot while I was driving to work. Yeah, I know. And no, ladies and gentlemen, before everybody gets, you know, <laughs> <laughs> gets all crazy with this shit, no, I don't ever, ever drink and drive. No. Ever. I, d- I disagree because I think 
You were pretty drunk one day trying to play Gran Turismo, I think it was, or Need for Speed. Now, does that still count as drinking and driving? No, no, because that's actually how I got my best, my best score. <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, you were driving right next to me, drunk on your ass, too. <laughs> I, I have no recollection of what you're talking about, sir. Exactly my point. <laughs> anyway, back to my favorite uh, Christmas or classic Christmas cartoon. Um, okay, so it's got one of the most recognizable soundtracks of all time. Um, I have actually bought the soundtrack on CD when they had it at Starbucks a few years ago. And it had a DVD version of the cartoon in it. Now, I have the Blu-ray version, but it had a DVD version car, uh, version of the cartoon with the CD, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so, my absolute favorite classic Christmas cartoon of all time has got to be a Charlie Brown's Christmas. Yes. Yes. This? What? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, anybody who doesn't like a Charlie Brown anything needs to be punched in the face with an, with an iron fist. Well, Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving was kind of lackluster. But it's still Charlie Brown. But it's still Charlie Brown, and it's still classic, and it's still amazing. Um... But a Charlie Brown's Christmas special, or Charlie Brown's Christmas, is by far probably the ultimate guide to the essence of what the holiday spirit is all about. Um, Yes, they get a little religious in there in the play when Linus tells the quote-unquote true meaning of Christmas. But that aside... It's it is the true meaning of what the spirit is all about. What what the holiday is all about, what the spirit of Christmas really is. It's about a boy that I mean, we all know that, that Charlie Brown's got a severe case of depression. Um No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, just a very slight case of depression. But, I mean, through, okay, so if you've never seen this movie, you should drag yourself out to the middle of the street, bash your head against a curb, and then go in and watch the movie. Or go in and watch the, uh, the special. But... It's about Charlie Brown, who becomes director of the Christmas pageant play, uh, Christmas pageant, which they don't do anymore, by the way. They don't have little Christmas uh, pageants or anything like that anymore. Um, No, because everybody has to be politically correct, and God forbid we say Christmas because it has the word Christ in it. Well, I I mean, take it out of sight, I mean – Nobody don't says Merry Christmas anymore. It's Happy don't Holidays. Don't want to offend. It. Don't want to <laughs> offend anybody there. 
for all you sensitive pricks that can't handle a word. Which is kind of funny because I'm atheist and I still say Merry Christmas. To me, it has nothing to do with with religion whatsoever. But anyway, moving on. Um, that's a whole nother show for, you know, a whole nother radio show. You know, maybe political BS will pick that up right before Christmas. Um, well, we're we're gonna have some fun with that too coming up. We've got something in works, and uh, that'll be after the first of the year, though. So, but uh, but he becomes director of the pageant that the kids are putting on, and you know they tell him to go get a tree, and he comes back with this very tiny, very for lack of better terms, ugly looking tree. It really you know, was. <laughs> it was. But, you know, in the end, they all, you know, get their decorations and make it a pretty tree. And it, it, it really is all about the spirit of Christmas and, you know, what we experienced as kids, you know. Um, and to me, when I watch it, it always makes me feel happy. You know, I mean, at the end, you know, you're all happy and joyous and, you know, and all that. And, you know, it brings me back to my childhood and, and, and stuff like that. The, you know, the good memories of my childhood. Excuse me. But, uh, you know, this is absolutely my all-time favorite. I mean, I even own... I even own a uh, Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Well, I think I'm jealous now, sir, because I want a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. I'm going to have to take a picture of it and send it to you. Yes, please. I might even post it on our uh, Facebook page. That could work. That could work. So we know what mine is. What is your all-time favorite uh, Christmas cartoon? Oh, man. See, I knew you were going to ask, and I was really hoping to just talk until then. Because, (laughs) well, it's kind of hard. You know? Um, oh, I don't know. Um, you, well, let's, you, you kind of took my damn answer, okay? Let, let, first of all, you kind of <laughs> took my answer. Because nothing, in my eyes, nothing really beats a Charlie Brown, well, Charlie Brown Christmas because of the, the, you're right. I mean, Charlie, Charlie Brown is depressed and, then on top of that, you know, with everything going on and then with the story itself and what the holiday spirit is supposed to be about, I mean, it's, it's just they they hit a gold mine with Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, in, in all honesty, I mean, it's it's by far, in my eyes, the best cartoon movie of all time when it comes to Christmas cartoons. But... To give, so we get, so we quit having as many technical issues. I'm gonna go. 
<laughs> if you want to go Christmas movies, you also can't forget and leave out How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the actual cartoon. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. that right there, and, and that's another one. I mean, and, you know, like we said earlier, you know, right along with the idea of Christmas, it's Christmas movies always tend to be about redemption. And it's, they, I don't know, they, they want to, there, there's always somebody that hates the spirit for one reason or another. You know, there's always somebody that hates the holiday. And, Dan, you know I've been there. Hell, you've been there. You know, um, where we we just we didn't want the holiday. We didn't want anything to do with it. We didn't want to be a part of it. We hated it. Forget it. You know, and that's what these movies these, – these movies show you that no matter what, there's, there's always some kind of hope. There's always something that will bring you around, something that will bring you to. And, you know, for – I don't know. I mean, I get I'm kind of stuck really between two cuz How the Grinch Stole Christmas is always everybody's one of the greatest, you know? What I mean, oh yeah. You can't touch Dr. Seuss. It's so hard to actually compare <laughs> to Dr. Seuss. But I don't know. I'm going to go with something that was actually come out right around the same time, um a couple years earlier, but it it's the whole Scrooged in a cartoon, because I know you remember Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Oh, Jesus. You're going to go there. <laughs> Dude, Mr. Magoo was awesome, man. But it it's the, you know, I mean, there you go. It's it's Charles Dickens's Christmas Carol, but it's got Mr. Magoo in it. Mr. Magoo is the shit, okay? Do you know, come on, do you honestly expect anything less from me And if I would have mentioned something other than Mr. Magoo? No, no, not really. I mean, here he is. It's, it's, it's a Christmas carol all over again, you know, and if you guys don't know the story of a Christmas carol, well, you need to, but you got an angry, pissed-off guy mad at the world, he gets visited by three ghosts, ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, on Christmas Eve, and he's basically shown the meaning of Christmas. And this is, I don't, I don't know, it's A Christmas Carol is one of the greatest Christmas stories of all time, which we talked about that earlier. And Mr. Magoo is like, Oh no, it's kind of like perfect fitting to play Scrooge. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. In in in, in the cartoon world, I would say Mr. Magoo does actually play a pretty good Ebenezer Scrooge. Even though there's a a comedic undertone to it, and it's you know it's kind of funny in parts. I would have to say yes. Mr. Magoo is Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol is I mean it's up there. I wouldn't put it up I wouldn't put it in my top five. But it's up there. Well and like I said, I mean for me it's you know how the Grinch stole Christmas and, and Mr. Magoo. You know, I mean yeah, there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of other movies. I mean, we mentioned earlier you know, the Mickey Mouse uh, Christmas Carol, and, you know, they've done 
I mean, there's so many different Christmas movies and, and well, cartoon Christmases because I mean, everybody's getting into it, to it. I mean, we've got, what, five or six different Frosty the Snowman's now, you know, but there's Mickey yeah. Mouse. I mean, the we've got Mickey Mouse, but it's not even just Mickey Mouse anymore. It's branched off to where every character of Mickey Mouse franchise has got their own movies now. You know, you've got the Frosty the Snowman's, you've got... The Muppets, you've got everybody's got. I mean, hell, Shrek. Shrek's even got his own damn Christmas movies now. You know, it's. I don't know. It's it's just it's it's weird to. It, but at the same time, it's like they come out with so many of them. It's hard to to sit back and kind of figure out. You know which one's the better one. You know what I yeah. mean? Now, if we went. I don't know. Now, I, I guess I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, I can't really. Outside of those two, I can't really say of another animated movie, of, of a cartoon movie, that I would be so interested that I would be intrigued enough to actually say, on top of you know the three that we've mentioned that would be right up there. Okay. Um, well, how about this? I'm going to throw a couple out, a couple out at you. And, um, you tell me what you think. All right. So we, okay. So we talked nope. about, shut up. Hated <laughs> it. <laughs> so we talked about Charlie Brown's Christmas. That's right. that's in my book, that's number one classic. Grinch, you know, How the Grinch Stole Christmas is a very, very close number two. You mentioned Mr. Magoo, and like I said, it's not in my top five, but it's it's up there. One of the ones that's in my top five is Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. That the the original from '64, the the stop okay. motion, um, stop motion. No, I can get. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. I mean, I was, uh, I wasn't really, you know, considering that one. Um, honestly, I wasn't even really thinking about that one. I mean, we. <laughs> <laughs> the the okay. way that the way we've been talking about the other movies, I'm thinking individual people, you know, and. It was just, you know, that just automatically makes you think of a certain category, not a certain animal. You know what I mean? Right, right. But I but, have to But no, you, you're right. It is a classic and it is a staple. It's one that we watch every year. I've got, right. you know, a, a Blu-ray version that's actually got the storybook in it. And one year when uh, the wife and I actually spent um, a little time apart... <laughs> Um, she uh, she'd gone up to Oklahoma to you know help her mother and help her family out for you know a couple months, and this was right when I had gotten out of the military, um, and I had stayed I, back because I, I was still. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember that because you cried yourself to sleep talking to me on the phone every night because you missed your woman. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> Man, shut up! But, I said it because she's still listening. Shh. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. Whatever. Um, but no, I would, I, I would, you know, get on a Facebook video with my little girl and uh, the rest of the kids, and I would read them a page out of the, out of the little story book <laughs> that came with it every night. Um, and it's one of those that you have to watch every year, you know? So, um, speaking of, of, uh, classic, uh, Christmas cartoons, um, you'd mentioned Frosty the Snowman earlier. Yes. Now, the first one. Yes. The one from 69. Yes, the first one, yeah. only the first one. Only the first one. The other ones can just go into the vault with, you know, the Star Wars Holiday Special and never reappear again. I think I agree with you, sir. So, and then you have the lesser known to uh, to our kids' generation, but ones that um, you know, we grew up with, well, at least I grew up with, you've got Santa Claus is coming to town and a year without, the, or the year without Santa Claus. Do you yeah. remember those? Yes, vaguely. The year without Santa Claus, I do remember. Um, not very much so, but I do remember it. That's the one with uh, Heatmeister and Snowmeister. Yes, yes, okay, yes, I remember that. God, I was actually singing that the other day at work and forgot all about. It. I was, <laughs> I was like, "What movie is this from?" Uh, yeah, yeah, I absolutely love those, and they don't play those on. Um, they don't play them on TV anymore. I mean, these used to play constantly, nonstop, when I was a kid, and they don't—they don't play them on TV anymore, which disappoints me because I'd love for my kids to be able to watch these without having to, um, you know, buy all the the DVDs for them. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So, and then you've got, oh, so there's one movie that we haven't talked about that is, is uh, some would argue that it's not a Christmas movie, but to me it is. Um, because okay. it's about. Are we talking about, oh, yes. But, you know what I was, I was going to Oh, yeah, you're talking about Nightmare Before Christmas. No, no, we've already discussed that one. Okay, well, fine, whatever. I'm I'm talking about The Guardians. The Guardians. Yes. You know which one I'm talking about? The one with Jack Frost? Yes. And Santa is, you know, this big, huge, muscular Russian dude. <laughs> it's like the uh it's like the uh Hulk Hogan 
Santa Claus again we were talking about. No, Santa on no, steroids no. or some shit. No, it's no, just funny because you actually, said. No, it's funny because I was saying it. That's as funny. Thinking about that is as funny as when I mentioned the Hulk Hogan as Santa Claus. Yeah, but this one was a lot better because, I mean, while it incorporated. Anything's better than Hulk Hogan in a movie. <laughs> oh, even Jim Carrey playing the Grinch. Yeah, that ain't no shit. Oh, these are screwed. Yes. Now, before we end the show, we do have 30 minutes to go. But before yes. we end the show, I have a movie that we did not talk about that I consider a Christmas classic that I did not bring up earlier I wanted to. And I wanted to... I I wanted to talk to you about it and get your opinion on it. So I still want to talk animated. Still want to talk to Heart 2 movies for now. But when you're ready, I want to bring up a discussion that a lot of people try to argue with me. Somebody tried to argue with me at work, and I told them they were wrong, point blank. But I want your take on it and your thoughts on it being considered. Some people consider it a classic. I don't say it's a Christmas classic, but it is going to be a classic movie action more than anything. So anyways. Okay, go right ahead. Okay. I want to bring up, I want to talk about Die Hard. I knew you were going to bring that up. I was yes. actually wanting you to bring that to, one up. Die Hard and, is a classic movie, but is it a classic Christmas movie? And I said no. no it is a Christmas movie. But classic Christmas, I, 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 it's it's kind of like on a borderline. Okay. Maybe so, classic Christmas action. Now, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to agree with you. Die Hard is a classic movie. It has reached classic status. Fuck yes. Is it a Christmas movie? Yes, absolutely. It is a Christmas movie. Because it happens on Christmas Day. Um, I don't remember what month it came out in. But... Uh, came out in July. Happen. June or July. It was actually released on my birthday. Um, <laughs> Dan just looked it up. <laughs> I did. I have it right here. It you know, <laughs> was released in July of 1988. I'm not going to say the date, but anyway. Um, I will. <laughs> um, okay, so it is a classic movie. Yes, it has re- reached classic status. It is a Christmas movie only because it takes place during the Christmas season. It was released in July, which kind of, sort of, maybe a little bit negates its, its classic Christmas status. Because for me, in order for a movie to be considered a classic 
Christmas movie that had to have been released for the holiday season. Now, this movie was not released for the holiday season. It was released during peak blockbuster time, which was, you know, which is summer. It's a summer blockbuster movie. Despite the fact that it takes during takes place during the Christmas season, it is it was released, you know, during blockbuster season. So for it to be a classic Christmas movie, no, I have to agree with you on that. No, it is not a classic Christmas movie. It is a classic movie, and it is a Christmas movie, but it is not a classic Christmas movie. Exactly. But we can't say it's one of the best movies to be made right around the Christmas time or Christmas for the Christmas holiday. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean you can celebrate Christmas by watching a Christmas a Christmas carol, then you can watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and then you can watch Die Hard. Yes. Along with Gremlins. Same concept. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it takes place around the Christmas season, was released in uh, June of 84. It is a classic movie. It is a Christmas movie. It is not a classic Christmas movie. So now the question begs, what about Lethal Weapon? Same thing. Same exact category. Same yeah. exact category. Now, the the thing I like about the thing I like about um, Die Hard though is that the first two are right around the set, take place around the same exact time. You know, it's both during Christmas time. Yes. Yes. And that's that's one thing I liked about you know they they kind of did it. I mean, it was I think it was what one year later. Or was it a couple years later? Something like that. Something like But it was just... A lethal Weapon, the first Lethal Weapon is the same way. Same exact category. Same exact premise. Yes. Now... Which everybody knows, Lethal Weapon is the shit. Lethal Weapon is awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, takes place during Christmas time. Oh, so. yeah. So, we've been talking about um, animated stop-motion Christmas classics that we watched as kids. And there's one that I watched as a kid. I don't know if you ever saw it, Brian. Um, but it was... Actually, one of my favorites as a kid because it told a different story uh, of how Santa Claus came to be Santa Claus. Um, There are many different movies out there and cartoons and whatever that tell uh, the story of Santa Claus and how Santa Claus came to be Santa Claus. Uh, You have Santa Claus the movie, which um, 
basically says that Santa Claus was a real person and that these elves have been waiting, I don't know. I mean, they don't say hundreds of thousands of years for the right person to come along to deliver the toys that they make. And they rescue him and his wife when they get caught in a big storm, and that's how he becomes Santa Claus. Um, You have the movie The Santa Claus with Tim Allen in it that really doesn't give a whole lot of backstory of how the original Claus came to be, but they say if you put on the suit, you become Santa Claus and blah, 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 blah. This one gives a very, very different take on uh, how Santa Claus came to be. Um, And it kind of, it came out in 85, and it kind of follows along the same, how do I put it? It, It's kind of ranked up there in my eyes with, um, with the Dark Crystal. Because it's not overly happy, it's not overly cheery. There are some scary parts in it, um, and it's called "The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus." And Brian, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's it's about basically about an orphan child that gets uh, discovered by. Um, uh, by an elf, and they raise him, and he's human, so he grows, you know, he grows old and stuff like that, and you know, he actually loves children, delivers um, toys to children in the neighboring village, uh, because it's in, you know, they're in the great forest, and and it's, and there's there's all the spirits of the forest that you know they're all immortal. And they they convey the the mantle of immortality onto um, uh, Santa Claus, and that's how he actually becomes the Santa Claus that we all know and love today. And it's a very different take on on Santa Claus and on his story. And I used to watch it all the time as a kid, but again, you know, they don't put these types of movies and these types of TV shows uh, on TV anymore. So, Brian, I don't know if you've ever seen it or if, or if any of our listeners have ever seen it. Um, but, I mean, it is a, uh, a Rankin-Bass stop-motion uh, TV movie. So, uh, if you don't know Rankin Bass, who you know, if you don't know Jules Bass and Arthur Rankin Jr., then I mean, you didn't grow up in the eighties, so I don't want to tell you. It it sounds really familiar. Um, it sounds really familiar. Like it's one of those. It's it's something that I have seen, but. I don't know. Because you've got the great act, you've got the the wind demons and the gnome king 
yes, you got yes. Tingler so did you said the Gnome the, King? I remember. Yeah, Tingler as the elf. Yes. Yeah. I mean, again, it's one of those that I grew up with that I watched, you know, as a little kid that they don't play on TV anymore. And I don't know why. I don't know if it just kind of, you know, fizzled out. I mean, it or. Well, I can answer that, actually. Once again, personal agenda. Because that will not generate new viewers. Because kids nowadays, <coughs> excuse me, kids nowadays will not watch something like that. Because it's not high tech, it's not CGI, it's not computer animated. You know, so they're not going to, it's not, <coughs> excuse me, they don't have the wow factor that, sh- that cartoons nowadays have. Well, I can see that. There's one more that I grew that I grew up watching. It was done back in '74, and Brian, you may actually remember this one. Um, it was a a, a little you know 30 minute animated uh, TV cartoon. It was called "Twas the Night Before Christmas," and it was about a town that. Um, learns that Santa won't be coming to their town because of an insulting letter that a kid wrote. And they have to find a way to bring Santa to the town. And it focuses, it centers around a clockmaker and his family. And of course it's got, you know, a little mouse in there that helps the clockmaker and in order to bring Santa to the town, they have to get the clock up and running. Um, <coughs> and again, I don't know if it's one of—I don't know if it's one that you've seen um, when you were a kid, but it was one that I watched when I was a kid, and it was one that I absolutely loved. And what was the name of it again? Was the night before Christmas. I'm trying to remember. I don't think I've seen that one. I, I could be wrong. I'm trying to remember. I'm actually I'm I'm actually searching it right now so I can I can see if it's something that I have seen. Because I don't think I have. I'm actually looking at it right now, and I don't, I don't think I have seen this one. Now I might have and just don't remember. I mean, you know, like like our caller earlier said, you know, and like you've mentioned too, there's so many movies out there now. On the Christmas holiday, it's hard to stay up on them. So right, I mean, and this was one that you know I had seen as a kid. It was, I mean, it was done back in. Uh, 74 and to give you a little more insight it's so it's you know you've got humans and mice working together and um, the the 
the child that wrote the letter was Albert, who's a who's a mouse, and he's very cynical. And he doesn't believe in Santa Claus, and he wrote the letter to Santa Claus, basically stating that he doesn't believe in him. And the whole town believes in Santa Claus and blah blah blah. And Santa Claus, you know, says, "No, I'm not coming into your town because of this one letter." And you know, it's again, it's all about redemption. You know, it's about the kid redeeming himself and believing in Santa Claus and helping out with, you know, fixing the clock tower so that um, Santa Claus will come to come to the town uh, because the clock, uh, when it you know strikes on the hour, it plays beautiful music, and that's how they get Santa Claus to come back to the town. Okay, got it. So, again, I don't know if it's one that you've seen. It's one that I watched um, a long time ago when I was a kid. So, again, these are all, you know, these are all movies that I watched when I was a kid. So, and these are classics that, honestly, I wish they would bring back so that my kids could enjoy them. Well, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I really do wish that they would bring certain movies back and stuff. But then, once again, like I said earlier, you know, they don't they don't put that old school stuff on TV anymore because it's not cool for the generation now. No, no, we've got stuff like Barbie's Christmas Carol and a Garfield. Well, not a Garfield Christmas. That was back in '87, which was amazing. Um, but. You know, like you said, there's like four or five different Frosties. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, Frosty's Christmas in July, Frosty's Winter Wonderland. Um, and, yeah, some of these were done, you know, back uh, before you and I were even born. But they don't have the same – I don't know. Even some of the Christmas cartoons today just don't have – the same feel to them. But I will say there is one that the kids and I watch every year that we absolutely love. And I'm sure and I'm sure you've seen it. Um and it's it's very quickly becoming a staple in our house and if it would gain momentum it could very easily become uh, a Christmas classic. Um, it's called uh, Prep and Landing. You know what I'm talking about? I don't. I don't think I do. Really? So this this is uh, again this is a staple in our house, um, and it's about. Um, it's about two um, two elves that uh, are part of Santa's prep and landing unit, which they they go to you know like a section of houses and they you know prep the area for Santa to land. Um, and it's actually, it's actually a, 
dare I say it, it's kind of a cute movie. Um, you know, I watch it every year with the kids, and uh, it's actually something. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen it, um, watch it with your kids. They'll love it. Um, you'll love it. It's 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 very cute. It really is. It's actually a very good, well done Disney. Comp- oh, excuse me, computer animated movie. So it's definitely one you need to see. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to uh, check that out. Send me a send me some information on that if you would. Absolutely. So now, Dan, I was thinking you had uh, you and I were talking about the show for next week, and we were talking about our all-time favorite movie. And I was wondering because you were debating between two uh, two different shows, and I'm wondering if you would be interested in changing next week up just a little bit. Okay. Well, instead of doing our all-time favorite next week, since you can't seem to make up your mind, (laughs) what if we we did two? Two apiece. We got three hours, two movies apiece. Break them up a little bit. First two hours. Yeah, first first two hours we could talk the first two movies. Second or the last hour of the show we can talk the last two movies, or we can, we can we break can it up. That. However, but then that way we get to deal with our. Uh, that way we get to deal with you know we we can actually cover, you know, more of what we want to talk about because there's another there's a couple other movies. That we didn't talk about today that I that I'm a big fan of, so I can take one of those to next week. Well, how about we just do our all-time favorites instead of narrowing it down to one or two? How about we just do our all-time favorites? We could do that. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, next week our show will be our all-time favorite Christmas movie. Because um, last week we did our least favorite, so next week we're going to do our most favorite. So That's right. That is right. That's what's happening. So, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, we do realize that next week is Christmas Eve. And yes, we will be live Christmas Eve. For your listening pleasure. See, that's the good thing about us. It's Christmas, you know, we can be a family-friendly show like we proved today. And it's a lot of fun, you know. I mean, we we are here, we'll be here, you know, Christmas Eve. What's what's a couple of hours on Christmas Eve going to hurt you, really? You know, tune into the show, check us out, call in, talk to us. Yeah, don't, I mean, who knows? We may be, be part of your, We may be. We may become part of your Christmas tradition. You know, I mean, it may become, you know, tradition. You know, to listen to two guys in a balcony on Christmas Eve. Exactly. So, exactly. But with that being said, we only have a few minutes left on our um, recorded segment of our show. 
So, um, Brian, do you want to go ahead and start with your closing credits? Well, ladies and gentlemen, bye. No, it's like... That's why nobody was listening. Uh, exactly. Because nobody's listening right now. They got to go back and listen. But uh, in all in all honesty, definitely we 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 always as every week we thank you guys for tuning in. We really appreciate and thank all of our callers that we get. And you know we had a new caller today, Dan. Uh, yes, we did. That was awesome. You know it shows that we're getting out there. So make sure you guys share the post. Check us out. Follow us on social media. You know, hit us up. And like Dan said earlier, you know, you still got some time where you can get online and you can order you some of that two guys in a balcony gear for Christmas, order it for yourself or for someone else. I've got mine. You know, so make sure you guys do that. Make sure you guys hit it up. And uh, you guys know where we'll be. We'll be back here every Sunday night, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. So, you know, until next week. Dan? Ladies and gentlemen, um, like Brian said, we definitely appreciate all of our callers and definitely appreciate all of our listeners that we get. Um, remember, we are on all you know social media sites. Go on our Facebook, hit that like button, hit that share button. Um, check back often for posts and updates, and uh, go check out our Twitter account. You know, we uh, got that uh, merchandise out there. Uh, CafePress.com backslash T-G-I-A-B um, Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to call in next week It's 646-668-8467 And um, as always, ladies and gentlemen Be safe, be smart We want you back here next week Tuning into our show Listening to us talk about you know Whatever we want to talk about um, Whether it be Christmas classics Or uh, you know our favorite Christmas movies which we'll be talking about next week we want you here uh we want you safe we want you listening to our show um remember everybody's a critic we want you to call in we want you to um tell us what you think about you know the topic that we're discussing or the topic that we discussed last week or even two weeks ago uh we want to talk to you so call in and uh you know tell us what you think other than that, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a hell of a night. It's been a hell of a show. Uh, thank you again. And from Brian and I, have a safe week. <laughs>